5-4-3-2-1. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and you might notice the NMOA, which is the National Mail Order Association. We have a group on uh, LinkedIn, and you can go to nmoa.org, and it will take you right to WDMA. Thanks to John, John Schulte. I better get going here. Here we go. Red Baron Pizza. The pizza goes... There's a bar brawl, and I didn't really understand most of it, so we'll skip it all. And then they're then they're they're ready to burn down the town, and a lady with a significant foreign accent says, "Your pizza is going to get cold. Your pizza is going to get eating. cold. You should be eating." Is it better than fighting? What man would ask, is it better than fighting to be eating? Okay, so anyway. Lonely Pete, really rude Rick learned that a punch in the face might be fun, but sharing a full... Apparently there's a longer length movie, but I shortened it up for you. Yeah, that's about all we have time for today. And let's look at the backstory on this. Because I just think that was one of the worst commercials of all time. <laughs> Nothing to do with pizza. And they don't even, you know, they don't even slice it out like you're supposed to, you know, where they've got it screwed down and they put the put the Elmer's glue in it to mix it with the cheese to make it all those stretchy things go. If you've ever seen that on like Instagram, they show how they make pizza commercials. Um, so, whoops, now we got to get over here to the PDFs. There we are. Okay, and that's from uh, Audrey Kemp. And uh, it says that the showdown begins with two rough and tumble miners over fully cooked, no, over fully loaded hand-tossed style pizza. And they have a comically diverse cast of characters, which you can't make out at all because it goes too fast. They would be better off with one-third as many characters and actually showing them for more than a millisecond or two. It's a total shift from anything Red Baron has ever done. They don't mention Red Baron much until the end. By then you've tuned out, I think. And here's their basis for it. One in three frozen pizza eaters say they enjoy entertaining friends. Well, what is how does that compare with the rest of the population? That's that seems lower than average, wouldn't it be? One, only one in three frozen pizza eaters enjoy entertaining friends. I would bet, you know, I would bet fresh pizza eaters have, in, half of them enjoy entertaining friends. <laughs> I would bet people who actually know how to cook. Two-thirds of them enjoy entertaining friends. Anyway, many of them also identify as movie buffs. People who eat frozen pizzas watch movies. So let's make it look like a movie. Oh, man. I think luckily no one's mentioned in this, so I can't pick on anybody in particular. I think there might be some people mentioned down in the bottom. Um, Martin... Insula was the creative director. Okay, so we'll mention Martin. And uh, there's a lot of other people. We'll tag them all. If that wasn't one of the worst commercials I've ever seen, I don't know what is.
Okay, so now let's get over to another completely different topic. This is a long article by Ernie Smith, 12 minutes. I'm not going to give you the whole 12 minutes, but um, he starts out with the lines being blurred between marketing and journalism. Well, the lines have always been blurred. (laughs) You know, you do a press release, you pay somebody, you advertise in a magazine and they'll feature your company. I don't see that as anything new, and I think he completely misses the point of a magalog. I really do. Um, well, let's so let's work our way through this. He calls he um, he calls magalog an unholy merger of content and sales that once dominated the world. From er, that's Ernie. Okay, well I don't know if it dominated the world, but um, Montgomery Ward. Uh, is famous one UPI story said boys should like Ward's new Magalog um, compared its use of models to the spreads of Playboy. Well, I do remember occasionally. I mean, we used to get the Sears catalog and the Penny's catalog, and there there were women in <laughs> you know modeling their underwear. Um, but I wouldn't say it compared to a Playboy. That's just my vague, foggy recollection, as I flipped by them, of course, uh, when I was probably eight years old or something. Uh, Who made the catalog valuable as a magazine? And then they tell the story of Gary Comer, who who actually was the founder of Land's End. It seems to me he was uh, a sailboat racer on Lake Michigan out of Chicago. And I thought he started with um, duffel bags. Uh, catalog dedicated to the needs of boaters. It seems to me he he went across Lake Michigan and everybody's gear got soaked. And so he came up with a way to make duffel bags that were more waterproof and um, and would keep your gear more more dry. But in addition, they show this racing sailors equipment guide. The information inside the catalog was so valuable, it became a de facto guide for the industry. I got to get my line back. Okay. And it would be a couple decades before Land's End would get into apparel, right? But they did have a lot of sailing stuff. And I remember going there in the 70s and looking around. I think I bought some boat shoes there. Um, So they are credited later in the article with being a catalog that had engaging elements of an editorial publication. And I remember reading about the sheep farmers in New Zealand and Tasmania and all of the wonderful alpaca wool that they used. And here's apparently an interior shot of sizes of rope. And uh, in later retellings of the history of the Maglog, Land's End was often seen as the company that shaped the overall model. But I want to make a point here because Ernie doesn't seem to be that hyped on Magalogs that I think Gary wanted to tell you why why he liked it, why why the stuff was good. Okay, so here's a catalog from later. This is 1982. I was a, a buyer all the way along. It's wonderful stuff. You know, beautiful cotton sweaters. I probably still have some of mine. Um, you're more likely to buy some from, from a catalog that's interesting. And as I said, they went to great lengths to tell you stuff about the great lengths that they had gone to to get the stuff. Okay. So a Magalog has some degree of journalistic interest. 
Lands End even hired a Chicago Tribune reporter. Ernie's point is it kind of went downhill. Um, Mike Clausen is called the Magalog guy. That's the guy I was looking for. And then, um, and then down here is the one I wanted. While I won't say that a catalog like Lands End was built with a certain kind of ethics in journalism integrity, I do think that over time a concept is developed specifically as high-end products, in many cases slowly evolved into something of a transparent commercial play in the hands of marketers more interested in getting a buck than creating a valuable long-term relationship. I've told the story before, but I was at the back of Land's End one time, and uh, and they were talking to a towel maker when they were starting to go into the home goods, and they told them that they will honor their guarantee, and they want the t- towel to be a lifelong type towel, a towel that lasts so long nobody's going to complain about it or send it back. And they said, we're not going to tell you how to make towels, but we are going to uh, stand by the product. So we want you to make a really good towel. And that was really, you know, this was way in the interior. It was next to the library. I was waiting for somebody. I'd been sent down there because I was working on some consulting with Land's End. But, um, you know, I had no business being outside of that little conference room. But it was refreshing to hear them talking about how they really, really wanted something of quality, you know. Too often, merchants are telling are telling manufacturers, we want you to make it just as nice, but cut the costs on it a lot. Okay, so anyway, let's get over to this. I wanted to just take a little while and talk about making benefits clear, which I think was the real point of the Magalog. And so I'm going to give you a couple examples. This was work I did at Deluxe probably in the probably in the mid-80s because uh, I was up there when, before I was on my own and when I was still working for Vic Hunter. Here's their catalog, Deluxe Business Forms and Supplies Catalog. Okay, And my first, my first contention here was that Deluxe can be an adjective. Deluxe Business Forms, so these are, these are higher quality than average. No connection except down here, real small print. Um, very small 800 number and um, very small other stuff. Save, tw- take $20 off any uh, order or $100 of $100 or more. It's too complicated. This is just 20% off your order, um, which is easier to figure out. Uh, but we made the deluxe logo the real, you know, the real type font the real color that Deluxe uses. We made it big. And we were clearer here. Form, stationary, supplies, the building blocks to a successful business. Okay, Here's the benefit. You can get all your stuff in this catalog. Okay, And it's from the company you're already buying checks from. But it's not checks. It's form, stationary, supplies. Uh, we also ship FedEx right there. We can get it to you fast if you just ran out of business cards. That's a really important point in this category. So anyway, I remember it doing much, much, much better. I don't remember. We also cut $160,000 out of the cost because this has been done by an agency who didn't understand signatures and pagination. So it was a big hit for Deluxe, and Andy Halleck and I continued to work together for many, many, many years uh, based on that experience. Okay, they also had this offer that they were doing. They were they were doing rent-collecting checks, sort of check stubs that people would get the whole packet when they – when they got their lease, and every month they would pull it off and could mail it in. 
And so they were introducing this to landlords, introducing a way to collect monthly payments. I added a money-saving way to collect monthly payments. They were inexpensive, very inexpensive. And they, they improved the rent collection, okay, a money-saving way to collect payments. Um, here's their interior, as they put it, lots of fine print, not very much visual hierarchy. They do show the product over there. And, and you turn it sideways to fill in the order form. I made the order form this way. I said free information packet. Okay. And uh, so effective you'll ever wonder how you manage without it. So we highlighted the benefit up there. I think there's some more. Uh, customized for each unit. That was important. So you could track the payments. You didn't have to figure out who this money was coming from for which apartment. As low as $1.47 per book. Almost nothing. That's, you know, 10 cents per month for your renter. Made the 800 number much, much bigger. And um, that's how you do it. And that improved the response 20%. That head-to-head -head test, we did do that one head-to-head. -head. Uh, Hopkins Medical Products, same price as 1995, same price as 1995. You know, that it was all about price and, and small shots of the product that you could hardly tell what it was. So when I met with them and sat down with them, they said, well, a big thing in our industry, this is home health care products, is helping you meet HIPAA privacy standards. And the problem with that is you had to have a locked compartment where you put the patient records. So if you forgot your bag or you left it or it got stolen or something, somebody couldn't just leaf through and find out all the ailments that, you're, that the people you were working with had. Okay, to demonstrate compliance, locked bags are essential. See that? We put that right on the stand, on the on the front. And we also do staff training. So if you if you're handling multiple staff, so we moved the benefits to the front. And again, uh, much better. I don't remember the, the the percentage. I don't remember that they did head-to-head -head testing. One of the things about a catalog cover is you can do head-to-head -head testing. You leave the rest of the cover the same. And then this is the, the this is one of the real magalogs I created. This was their catalog before we worked together. It has some benefits in very hard to read type. You know, it's just like the like the art department didn't know what to couldn't think of what to put on it. They put the Statue of Liberty, so you knew they were from out east. I don't know that that's a benefit. Anyway, when I when I sat down with them, they were talking about how. Uh, how they could have you could have a multi-million dollar piece of equipment sitting on sitting in customs because somebody mistyped some of the forms. I think I have that. I have another one of their catalogs. See, they made they made these assortment of forms that were all reconciled. So you might have you know a bill of lading and you might have a a, a customs declaration and you might have something else you might have six or seven port authority forms and other things that tell what this piece of machinery is now if you're typing them by hand you can get i want you to understand you can get a, a pad of these at this time you get a pad of them for like a dollar and they were selling them for like ten dollars for the set for one set not one form and so uh but what they weren't making clear was that there was a serious, serious problem if you made one typo on one of the five or six forms that had to match. And so what they did was put them together with carbonless, in carbonless forms so that one-time typing, even if you made a typo, at least it would match all the forms. Okay. 
And so then what we did was we made a Magalog. And you see it's way bigger. We wanted it to dominate the desk, okay? And it tells stories about the uh, put the harmonized schedule at your fingertips. It had stories about, um, about terrible, terrible catastrophes where people were, were messed up. You know, and they, they, what was really great was they also offered classes. And so we just had the people who were offering the classes tell the stories that they were going to sort of share and expand upon in the classes. So it was a real win-win. It promoted the, the uh, instructors. It promoted the classes. It promoted the benefit. You know, even though it was maybe 10 or 50 times more expensive. And, and uh, again, worked great. Okay, here's another cover test. And what I would, what I was, I was handing out this side cover, this, and it had logos of important companies like, like Pontiac and Caterpillar and 3M. You see that big companies that you'd recognize. And we thought that it elevated the the imprinted merchandise category. But what, when I would give it to friends who owned companies, they would say, Why would I want a Pontiac hat? You know. They weren't getting it. Their benefit wasn't clear, as I said. And so instead of that, I had to fire my creative director. Um, and we put in, we had the creative people do logos. Your imprint here. Custom embroidery in a, in a, you know, a different type font. Your, uh, your imprint here in a different type font. And sometimes it said your logo or whatever. I can't hardly read it. What literally you can see, there's almost no difference between these two covers. Every piece of type is the same. Every interior page was the same. The back cover was the same. The only thing we changed was the imprints on the items and made them as identical as possible. There's a couple of exceptions. This is a different pen from this one. I don't remember why, but whatever reason it was. Um, and so, what do you think? We split tested 600,000 pieces and the Your Imprint Here cover. You know, now remember, we had an observation. People didn't know what we were doing. We heard that over and over. I did with my friends. But it was anecdotal, but it was an observation. So we had the hypothesis that if we were more clear about what we were selling, people would buy more. Okay? It's not a Magalog, but it was putting the benefits on the cover. And uh, and so once it happened, it turned out it was a 40% improvement. 40%. 40%. You know, that's a lot when you're mailing 600,000 pieces, right? That's like huge. That went from from not making money prospecting to making money prospecting. This was about the biggest breakthrough in the, in their history. And because we had an observation, a hypothesis, and then a firm explanation for why it worked better. We, we had a theory that we could repeat then over and over and over. We didn't have to go back. We could have. I'm sure we could have gotten similar results, but it was a major win. And that's the way you have to think about making your benefits clear. Have a great day. Like and share. I gave you a little mini webinar today. Bye-bye.